You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. off the glass and down the ice and that will do it tough night for the flames who did not get off to a good start fell behind by three three times tried to fight back but uh shooting themselves in the foot the wild improved to a perfect 4-0-0 under new head coach john hines following a 5-2 win Another bad start sinks the Calgary Flames. Now 2-2 two and two on this six-game homestand. The Flames know they'll need a better start against Carolina and New Jersey if they want to finish off this homestand on a winning note. Welcome into the program. Southern edition of Sportsnet today. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Yeah, not great. Tuesday night at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. The Minnesota Wild come in, dominate the first period, but only get a 1-0 lead. And then blow things wide open 90 seconds into period number two. That was it for Dan Vladar. Dustin Wolf got the rest of the second period and all of the third. And now the Flames have to do some searching to try to figure out what's causing these bad starts. Because as fun as the comebacks have been, nights like Tuesday night are a quick reminder that you can't play from behind as often as the Calgary Flames have been. They were back at practice on Wednesday. We'll get you the lines and deep pairings from practice at the Scotiabank Saddledom. We'll also hear from the head coach, Ryan Huska, as well as Jonathan Huberto and A.J. Greer as the Flames now turn their attention to the Carolina Hurricanes on Thursday night at the Scotiabank Saddledom. That's where we'll start things off today. Also on the program, it is a Calgary Hitman game day. The Calgary Hitman welcoming the Swift Current Broncos to the Scotiabank Saddledome. You can hear that right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan with Brad Curl and Jeff Hollick at 7 o'clock. We'll take a look at the opponent for the Calgary Hitman. They're taking on the Swift Current Broncos. Matt Barrett, MRU alum. Now the play-by-play voice of the Swift Current Broncos. He's going to join us in hour two to take a look at uh, the Swift Current Broncos and the season they've had. They're fighting with the Calgary Hitman. Uh, right in the middle of the standings of the WHL right now. So we'll hear from Matt coming up in hour two. Wednesdays, of course, mean to check in with our pal Andy McNamara as well. Another edition of Ask Andy is coming your way to help you with any fantasy football advice you might need ahead of Thursday night football kicking off tomorrow. And very excited about this later on here in hour one. Uh, Flames defenseman Mackenzie Wieger is going to join us. Uh, Weegs, if you haven't noticed already, all over uh, the charity scene here in Calgary, he was at the Shaw Charity Classic this summer, uh, was in the discussion about a captaincy because he's just 
embraced Calgary so much, and now he's doing some really cool things with parachutes for pets. And uh, they've got some cool announcements to talk about today. And Mackenzie's going to join us a little bit later on this hour to talk about uh, what he's doing with parachutes for pets. So uh, looking forward to chatting with Mackenzie a little bit later on this hour. But of course, we are going to kick things off talking about the Calgary Flames. Uh, if you've got thoughts on the Flames, 960-960, the fan feedback line. Always open to you if you're listening live on this Wednesday edition. I can understand why there would be some frustration. The frustration boiled over on the Flames Talk post-game show last night. Pat was taking calls. There was upset fans. Robert with an all-time legendary call-in. He was upset. And, you know, if uh, you've listened to overtime, if you listen to the Flames Talk post-game show with Pat long enough, you know when uh, Robert comes in and goes on one of his legendary rants, it, it usually comes after a pretty bad game for the Calgary Flames. And that's what happened on Tuesday. Another slow start for this group. They just weren't ready to go. And Dan Vladar was forced in his first start since we heard about the injury news to Jacob Markstrom to stand on his head in the first period. Second period, okay, you come out only down one nothing. Chance to reset. We got lucky in the first period. We're just down one. If you're the Calgary Flames, you've got every opportunity to bounce back into this game, get yourselves into it. You just need the next goal, and all of a sudden you're tied. Well, the first 90 seconds are disastrous for the Calgary Flames in the second period. 90 seconds in, and it's all of a sudden 3 nothing after Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy get goals on the board. So the coach is now forced to play one of his cards, switching out the goaltender. You never want to bring Dustin Wolf in in that kind of scenario, but this team clearly needed a wake-up call. A.J. Greer felt the same way. He got into a scrap with Marcus Foligno. I thought that was... Another strong attempt by A.J. Greer to try to get the team going. And it it helped a bit, but you're chasing the game at 3 nothing, And we've talked enough about this team and, and sometimes the offensive struggles. And down 3 nothing early on in the second period, that's a long road back for the Calgary Flames. They would get a couple. They'd make it a two-goal game in the third period when Connor Zary got his fourth of the season. But... I don't know if at any point last night you felt like the Calgary Flames were going to mount one of their third-period comebacks. It just wasn't good enough. And this team talked a lot about their starts last night post-game. It was a theme for a rather unhappy Ryan Huska who didn't have the answers. We'll hear from him again on after practice here on Wednesday. But it's clearly going to be something to watch ahead of Thursday's game against the Carolina Hurricanes because this team is as fun again as fun as those comebacks are you just you're not going to win a lot of hockey games with that kind of effort in the first period they were poor they struggled getting the puck out of the offensive zone out of the defensive zone excuse me they didn't spend a lot of time in the offensive zone against Minnesota it was short you know maybe a shot here a shot there they didn't spend a lot of time making the Minnesota defense work hard as compared to what they were doing. So that's what leads to a a 5-2 victory for the Minnesota Wild and now two straight losses for the Calgary Flames. I mentioned they were back on the practice ice this afternoon getting set for Thursday's matchup against the Carolina Hurricanes. I can tell you, uh, per our pal Pat Steinberg, of course, the host of Flames Talk and Flames Hockey here on Sportsnet 960, 
Uh, this is what your lines and D pairings looked like. Manjapani with Lindholm and Sharon Govich. Pospisil back on that line with Kandri and Zeri. Huberto back when Coleman stayed the same. Greer with Ruzichka and Dubé shifting at that center spot. Walker Dewar on the right side. Weger with Anderson. Hannafin with Tanev. Solovyov and Gilbert swap spots with Jordan Osterley on the third pairing uh, as well. So there's your uh, lines and D pairings. Of course, Dustin Wolf and Dan Vladar, your two goaltenders at practice as uh, Jacob Markstrom continues to heal from that fractured finger. Let's uh, head to the Scotiabank Sound Zone. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. His thoughts following practice on Wednesday. Starts going to be a big topic here for Ryan Huska. Talk about Walker Dewar getting back in the lineup and some of the physicality he showed against the Minnesota Wild. But let's get you uh, right now to the head coach. His thoughts on Wednesday falling practice at the Saddle Dome for the Flames. Ryan, what was the focus today? What did you want your group to work on this morning? Um, You know, turning the page, but making sure they understand that there's areas that we have to be better in. I think that's uh, one of the important things. Working on a little bit of pace again in in our practice here today is something that's important and um, some of the detail too as well. Walker Dewar, you know, he, he was working yeah. hard last night. Uh, what, what do you want to see from him when he gets into the lineup? You know, Walker, the, the one thing that he, his biggest strength that allows him to be an NHL player is his speed. So he's a bigger guy with a, a, a great skill set in regards to his speed, um, where he can challenge just about any defenseman wide with the puck. Um, what he has to be consistent with is um, he's not naturally the most physical player. So coming out of his comfort zone a little bit um, and and focusing on finishing hits on the forecheck, but maybe more importantly is being a guy that disrupts and causes a lot of loose pucks in the offensive zone so we can stay and play on it. So that's a really big thing for him is making sure he's good at killing um, plays or stalling plays in the offensive zone. And then the other thing would be making sure he's really sound with his defensive details on the wall, um, making the proper plays in his own zone. Can he show you that physicality in practice? Uh, that, no, that's a tough one. I mean, you're not, and it's not, like I said, it's not so much about him running someone through the wall. But it's using his speed to advantage his stick first, then body to kill the play, and then it allows everybody else to get to where they need to be from that point. So it's hard to finish hits against teammates in practice a lot of times, but it's something that um, he's going to continue to focus on. Over the last month with Connor Zary, we know he's found his way into this lineup and produced points. How helpful would you say do you think he's been to this team in terms of its transition game, in terms of carrying the puck and making zone entries? Yeah. I- I think that's that's one thing I would say, but I think the other is his ability to hold the puck in the offensive zone and make plays with composure. I think that's probably the um, the bigger impact that he's had for our group. So um, he's done what you've suggested, but he's he's really good with the puck. So like that power play goal the other night, for an example, like he's got composure with it in an area where most guys would panic and throw the puck away. He's got kind of. Um, He's got nerves that a lot of guys don't have in those situations, so it allows him to make make plays because he's not afraid to hang on to it. On the power play, to stick on that theme there, how would you say he's grasped those concepts that you've been trying to instill in your guys compared to some of the other guys on this team? Yeah, they're they're coming. I mean, you saw last night he tried to he had a couple shot attempts coming down his forehand flank there. Um, It's coming for sure. Like like with everybody on our power play units right now, we want the pace to pick up and what we're doing with it and be a little bit more direct. And you can see him trying to do that. When you uh, when you hear 
that it can be like you sometimes hear that it's taxing to play from behind yeah. and to chase a game. How come? Like what what makes it a taxing thing on a team? Well, when you're you're chasing games, you tend to overplay guys. So you're going to put your guys that you expect to generate offense on the ice more often than they probably should be. So when you're always chasing a game, those guys at times play too much. Whether it's your forwards or your your top defensemen that you're looking to generate a little offense, they're on the ice too much. So that that's a a big thing. When you're playing with the lead, um, there's more time for you to get everybody involved in the game and stay involved in the game. Could be a mentally taxing thing too. For sure. Uh, well, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they look at it like we're chasing again, <laughs> you know, here we go again type thing. So absolutely, it's something that we have to work on and we have to correct. And a lot of that comes to preparation and focus. Yeah. What have you liked in Dylan Dubé's game and what did you need to see more of out of him? Um, the speed I always like about Dylan's game, but the area that he's got he's to really zone in on over the next little while is, I'll call it staying in the battle. Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, players... They try to use the stick to poke a puck and, and hope it gets free behind the defenseman so they're off to the races where uh, a lot of times the defensemen are they're good. They, they understand positioning too and how to use their bodies to keep pucks alive. So in those situations, we'd like to see him go through the battle um, to make sure that he's committed to getting that puck out or at least staying in the fight to allow him to get the puck. So that's a big thing in his own zone as well as it is in the offensive zone. Ryan, we've seen teams that uh, start their energy line every period because yeah. of how they set the tone. Yeah. Whatever line starts the game or the period from you, what can they do to set the tone and, and kind of dictate how you want the game to be played? I, I think it's all them having a real good understanding of their game and what they have to bring to it as an individual and as a line. Um, that's the most important thing. And from that point, you have to hold each other accountable. There's enough of an overall physical presence by the whole team at the starts of games. Like we see Huberto last night, a little, little bit of frustration. He levels yeah. someone at the end of the first. Yeah. I felt like everybody followed suit in the second period yeah. once the game was maybe too far gone. Yeah. Um, and it seemed to tilt the ice. How are you judging your physicality at the starts of games? I don't think it's near enough. Like I, I had a kind of a off-the-cuff comment last night that our goalie was our most physical guy in that play behind the net. and. Um, there were there was no body contact from our group until um, Hubie kind of reverse hit that guy on that wall. Um, so it doesn't need to necessarily be in your makeup that you're a crusher out there, but you have to be engaged physically in order for you, one, to um, make sure you're in the right mindset and prepared to play the game the proper way. But it also shows everybody around you that you're ready to go. So it's an important part, and I don't think we've done a good enough job with that bite aspect of the game over the last little while. Are there any tactics you have as a coach to kind of push that out of the players? Um, I, I, I think the one is always ice time. You know, the one guy that I feel has consistent bite for us is A.J. Greer. So every night he's kind of doing what he has to do to uh, earn more minutes, and it's up to us to provide those minutes when a player is showing that. Question: Is it a mentality issue or is it a personnel issue? The physicality. Um, I won't say personnel. I'll say personality. Um, that might be a little bit more so. Like, you know, there's certain guys around the league that live to run guys over. I mean, we don't necessarily have that type of player, um, but the makeup is different for those guys too, right? So. Um, Everybody can be physical in their own way. And when you talk about, when we talked about losing some guys over the summer, um, well, where's the toughness going to come from? Well, it's a collective thing. And Corey mentioned it in the second period, you saw it, but why is it not there to start with? So that's, that's up here. Yeah. 
follow up on Aaron's question, I mean, back in the day, you'd probably look at a team that would want to be tougher. You just try to pluck some enforcer into a lineup. And now we've seen that kind of player more or less phased out, and you need more, I guess, functional toughness. Could you just describe the, the challenge of trying to find that makeup of player who can be tough, but can also be inserted into a lineup and produce? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, the, the role of the tough guy today is still there in the game. It, it really is. Um, but if you want to be a good, successful team, you need to be in a position where if you want to call it your fourth line or even your third line per se has a lot of pace to its game and they're edgy, edgy type guys where when they step on the ice, um, they know exactly how they're going to impact the game. So they don't have to find that or question that about them. Um, there's a lot of speed to them for one, um, but there is some, some bite to them. I mean, that's the way it is. It's not that you see all the fights like we, we used to see. You don't see that anymore. There's the odd guy nowadays, but um, you can be team tough in a lot of different ways, and that comes from um, the pace that you, you play with and guys understanding their roles. Ryan Huska addressing the media following practice on Wednesday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. The starts, physicality, engagement, whatever you want to call it. He's looking for more of it and got it from A.J. Greer last night. Thought he stepped up in a big way. Overall, just, I think a lot of people have been impressed with A.J. Greer since coming over to Calgary, whether it's how well-spoken he is in interviews, uh, his consistency day-to-day for a fourth-line guy that you picked up on waivers. I think he's been a tremendous fit for the Calgary Flames and I think very well aware of his team needing a spark last night. Uh, Marcus Foligno's a big, tough dude, and A.J. Greer stepped up big time to try to get his team going last night. I thought it was a good response from the team, but overall still not good enough. But let's hear from A.J. Greer. He also spoke to the media following practice on Wednesday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. AJ, maybe just uh, just kind of start on kind of mindset coming in. Obviously today, you practice day, work, work day, but um, you know just after last night, and maybe what's some of the attention that's getting uh, in terms of the overall game right now? Uh, we have to get better with our starts, and uh, you know we can say it all we want, but we have to execute. And that's everyone. Um, you know, right off the bat, every line's got to go out there, do the simple things, and then you know ease into the game rather than complicate ourselves right away. Uh, it's hard to come back in this league and you know we've had success but we can't keep relying on that so definitely our start and then just the execution we weren't executing at all and it's a trickle down effect Um, so again it's a long season that wasn't a game we wanted to, to to have but we forget about it and we move on to the next one. All year we've heard from you guys say we have to do the simple things. What does that exactly mean? Uh, simplify the game. Chip the pucks. Don't try to complicate things in the ozone. Play well defensively and make sure you don't turn the puck over. When you have a scrap like you did yesterday and you get back to the bench, what's generally? You get taps on the back from the guys? What's How do they respond to that? Yeah, just, you know, good fight, move on. When you're talking about the the start specifically, when you you look at kind of sequences in the game, obviously it has ebbs and flows, but when when it's your turn to be kind of holding the possession and really starting to generate, what is this group that, you know, doing so well in those moments? Well, we're we're a team who can can produce uh, down the lineup and, and with our strengths, uh, owning the puck down low, using our defensemen. Our defensemen have been uh, helping us produce 
So, you know, using them in the ozone to create some offensive chances and, and just moving our feet. And when we're not moving our feet and we're not making plays down low and we're not putting pressure on the defenseman, that's when we just kind of uh, just, you know, skate to skate, I guess, right? We, we're, you know, we're a pressure team. We're a team who's fast. And, again, we have talent all over the lineup. So we should be able to generate chances every line we get. You what? You hear sometimes guys say it's difficult to chase games and then play from behind. What what makes it difficult to chase a game when you're trailing? It's the NHL. It's the best league in the world, and um, everyone wants to win. You're gonna get you're gonna get players on the first and fourth line who are very talented, and if you play from behind, you just hope that you know you're you're gonna get a bounce and tie it up. Um, you don't want to start the game one nothing. That's for damn sure. AJ Greer calling it like he sees it following Flames practice at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome on Wednesday. Uh, last person we'll hear from, media availabilities at the Dome on Wednesday, Jonathan Huberto. You heard it in uh, Ryan Huska's availability. He talked about that reverse hit that Huberto threw at the end of the first period, trying to get his team going physically. We've seen more of that from Jonathan, and I think we've seen a much more can, uh consistent Jonathan Huberto since being on that line with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. Let's hear from the Flames forward. His thoughts following practice on Wednesday. You know, maybe just start with, um, you know, I think we got some reaction, obviously, last night. But you know, for you, when you guys you know, come back today, kind of a focus as a group collectively as you look ahead to kind of get it back on track here tomorrow. Yeah, you try to find some solution. Obviously, coming in, it's a new day. And, you know, last night was tough showing in front of our fans. So I think, you know, it's a, it can happen. I feel lately we've been struggling on our start. So, like, you know, there's a thing we got to be more prepared before the game and come out hard. And, you know, it's, start, it's tough when you play games. You're always down one, two, nothing. So trying to chase the game. So let's try to get the lead early. You know, that, that'd be good for our team. So. This hasn't been something that's, you know, all year. Obviously, this is maybe this last stretch. You guys have talked about it. But, you know, in the past and early parts of the year, where you liked your starts. I mean, what was it that, you know, seemed to be working well? Or what was the, kind of the mindset early in games? I think execution was a big thing early in the game. Uh, making better plays. I think now we're kind of trying to chase the game a little bit too much. And, you know, they're taking advantage. The other team come in. We, you know, we give up two-on-ones, you know, early in the game. So I think, you know, that you can do that sometime when you, you know, in the third period. But early, you need to establish your game, your forecheck, and, you know, get a good defenseman. And I think, uh, you know, be more predictable a little bit. Jonathan, what's the biggest difference for you? It seems like you're creating a lot more from beneath the goal line of late as opposed to, say, along the boards in the neutral zone. Like, have you found that? And have, what, what's the adjustment in how you see the ice? Yeah, I mean, I think we're trying to create, you know, the, the offensive zone, but I know, I think we need movement to do that. I think, you know, we, we need to create more movement. And, um, and at the end of the day, if you if you defend less, you're going to be in their zone as much. I think we got to be more... You know, better in our own zone and get the puck and play play in their zone. But I feel like you know we're our line we're we're good on the rush, but we need to play have some more possession time in their offensive zone. Coleman talked about you know for him personally going back reviewing his pregame routine, trying to figure out how to make sure he's ready to go. I mean, is that something you're doing? Or are you changing your your Spotify playlist? Like what what do you do to make sure you're you're ready to go? For yeah, I think I mean we're all you know professional we, we know how to get ready i think you know the guys you got to look themselves in the mirror and just make sure that they're, they're ready for the other guys you know in the room i think that that's what we want to do 
want to play for each other. I think that's uh, you know the mindset we have we need to have. But right from the get go, you know, we can't like say, oh, you know, five first five minutes kind of let the game comes. I think we we need to go get it and kind of simplify our play and play play more in their zone early in the games. I know you've been like the, the groups found ways to, to come back and win games, but it, how, how difficult can it be to kind of constantly be playing from behind? I think it wears on you. I mean, it's tough. Like I said, every game you need to chase and and be down. So I think it's important for us to kind of, you know, I don't know, this year we've been up two goals going to the third or something, you know, kind of feel better about, about yourself. So I think that's the thing we need to, to get into our, into the room, to the, you know, into, into our game. And that's important. I think that's the thing we're going to focus on uh, the next few weeks. There you go. Jonathan Huberto wrapping up media availabilities at the Scotiabank Saddledome on Wednesday. Following practice for the Calgary Flames, they're getting set for the Carolina Hurricanes coming to town on Thursday. Of course, we'll have it all for you right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan bringing you the latest from the Flames locker room every day here on Sportsnet today. Some of your texts at 960-960. The fan feedback line is always open to you here on the program. I mentioned last night uh, Robert had a pretty legendary call in to the Flamestock postgame show. Uh, Mick reminding us, don't forget about sweet, sweet Sylvia. Yes, Sylvia was on the program last night. If you haven't already, which you should have by now, Check out the Flamestock post-game show wherever you get your podcast, and you can hear such legendary calls like Robert and Sylvia and George and the rest of the gang who always calls, and Tony's there all the time. I know Tony texts into the show uh, all the time. You can go and hear all those legendary calls uh, that you might have missed the night before after uh, a Flames loss to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, this text says, The Flames really looked like hot garbage last night. Kadri invisible. Uyghur, other than potting some fortunate goals, is a turnstile giveaway machine. But worst off, we're playing soft as pudding. The Wild have tons more talent than us. Huska needs to lay down the law. And uh, Paul texting in uh, about uh, Flames needing to do more to tip shots in front of the net. Uh, no stat on tip shots. Just thinking that's missing in today's game. When they figure that out, they will have success. Continue to send your texts in to 960-960. The fan feedback line is always open to you here on the program. Whatever you want to talk about. Uh, send us a text and we'll uh, get you to it a little bit later on in the program. Still to come, check in on the Calgary Hitmen, their opponent tonight, the Swift Current Broncos. Matt Barrett, the play-by-play voice of the Broncos, is going to join us in hour two as well as another edition of Ask Andy with our fantasy football guru, Andy McNamara. He's going to join us for all your fantasy football questions. We'll have that for you in hour two and around the corner when we come back. Uh, excited to chat with Flames defenseman Mackenzie Weger on another great community initiative that McKenzie is uh, pairing up with, uh, with Parachutes for Pets. We'll talk about that uh, when we come back here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.